Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in uh, Santa Monica, California. Why did you laugh? No, I'm choking. I'm, just, I'm choking just a tiny, <laughs> tiny bit. Just okay. a little. I was trying to choke off off Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. Other than choking, how how you doing out there? All, all good here, Liz. All good. All good. And Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. How are you? I'm swell. Just swell today, sisters. <laughs> Happy to be uh, talking with you. Well, I almost forgot about you guys today because it feels like a Monday, you know, so you get up, <laughs> you start to have your Monday and then you realize, oh my God, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. We're going to be talking in 40 minutes. So, uh, but I'm very happy that, uh, that we're making this happen. Full show today. Uh, more ripped from the headlines episodes of Madam Secretary, even after the finale. Right, Jewel? You, you just cannot believe it, that that show is, is able to predict the future. I don't know how it's possible, <laughs> it is. but we're going to be talking about it, so you got you got to listen up for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like the smartest person in America this week because I had watched Madam Secretary. I felt like we were on the cutting edge of diplomacy because, because of a TV show. I love that. Mm-hmm. And Leon, you have uh, you have breaking news that like mindfulness, all this live in the moment stuff is hooey. It ain't, don't worry if you can't do it, Liz. Don't worry because according to new scientific research, we are not meant as human beings. We are not meant to live in the moment. Our whole thing is that we look towards the future. It's what separates us from you know squirrels. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I thought I thought for a second there you were going to say corgis because you posted some very cute corgi video on Facebook today. I mean, how many corgis does that queen have? I thought she had two or three. Never have enough corgis. There were like ten corgis. It was like a clown car full of corgis that got out of a Range Rover. This is an incredible video. Yes, Liz. So I have that from the New York Times. And uh, and also, just to follow up on a couple of things we talked about last week, Wonder Woman getting great reviews and some fun press I want to tell you about. Yes. And uh, Julie, you ha- you also have a follow-up on a marriage issue that you and Leon discussed on the show when I was not here. But, right. you know. We talked, yes, we talked about open marriages when you weren't around, Liz. <laughs> but we're going to be talking more about marriage and love and vows and commitment today. So you'll just, uh, you'll have to listen up. Uh-huh. Okay. And I have an Operation Sea Turtle update, of course. But let's start with the breaking uh, news that somehow Madam Secretary has the ability to predict the future. Okay. Well, so let's just review. As as many of you know, because you are very nice, you listen to our <laughs> Leanne and I do a Madam Secretary, the TV show, CBS TV show. We do a little TV review once a week. And uh, we have enjoyed doing that. And we're always, we've been surprised on a number of occasions that somehow 
you will see something on the TV show, and lo and behold, two weeks later, it's happening in real life. Am I right, Leanne? Uh, time and time again, that's happened. And that's, I, I we spoke know. to the head writer, Barbara Hall. They said they work on this theoretical timeline of about two and a half years ahead, but it seems to be about two and a half minutes ahead because they are just, they have predicted things. Yes. Sorry, so, you said two and a half years ahead? You mean two and a half? months ahead nope or two i mean they're theoretically that when the writers write the show they're operating about yeah they write it physically write it two and a half months ahead but in their oh, mind in they're their about, minds it's two and a half years about ahead. two and a half years ahead mm-hmm. oh. yeah yeah so yeah, this well, in the season finale which was a very good one there was a whole storyline about the fake madam secretary bess going and that she was actually saving NATO uh, because because um, because France, well, they were just being France and were being very obstinate. Well, and actually the Russians were um, uh, trying to interfere with the French election. And, <laughs> but they were going to have to invoke Article 5, right, Leanne? Yes. Wasn't this? That Which- Madam Secretary... Madam Secretary gave an impassioned speech where she used this just heartfelt prop of a postcard from her for, from her dead uncle who had written about, about something during World War II, and it brought everyone to tears, and it voted, and everyone voted in favor of Article Five. Okay, right. And so, who's kidding? Who? I didn't know what Article Five was until I watched no. that Madam Secretary season finale, and that's the article in the treaty uh, that says, you know, kind of one for all, all for one. Like if Correct. one of us, yeah, is... I was wondering what else is in the treaty. If yeah, that's Article Five. That seems like the most important thing. I'm not sure what Articles One through Four would cover, but I'm sure that's sort of the fundamental. Yeah. So if yeah, one of yeah. us is threatened, all of us are threatened. Is and is so Article of five. course last week uh, in real life, there it was, Article Five. Article Five. We're talking about it and whether or not the United States was going to live up to its commitment uh, to. Uh, to you know, do all for one and one for all. So uh, that 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 was very interesting to see. You know, you I feel like sorry a- for people who don't watch TV. Like when people <laughs> tell me they don't watch TV, I think you're an idiot. You know, there is a lot of good stuff on television. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry for you if you don't. Okay, watch TV. well, here is yet another example. I open up the New York Times book review, and I am reading a blurb about Condoleezza Rice's new book called Democracy. And the New York Times refers to it as sober and very high minded. But there is included in this book about democracy, uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice wrote a story that as Secretary of State, Libyan strongman, uh, uh, Colonel Momar al-Qaddafi, actually had a crush on Condoleezza, okay, Rice, that he had openly spoke about how much he admired her, and he just thought it was really hot stuff the way he, she gave orders to other Arab leaders, and that he wrote stuff. That is like, so creepy. That yes, he so wrote creepy. stuff like, listen to this, Lisa, 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 I love her very much. He, in wow. fact, made her a video with pictures of Condoleezza Rice that was all set to music uh, called The Black Flower in the White House. Oh, my God. That's a good <laughs> title. That is true. This is true. This is in her new book, The Democ- Democracy is the wow. name of the book. So, so uh, uh, Momar really had the hots for Condoleezza. And she kind of like she she said she writes in the book, she like 
could not even believe it or comprehend it and kept thinking she was in some kind of dream because it was so weird that uh, uh, Gaddafi was coming on to her. But so she never, you know, she always had security (laughs) cards around when she was meeting with him or talking with him. But this is very reminiscent, Leon, of a controversial episode on Madam Secretary. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, Julie, I do, right. Our fictional Secretary of State, Bess, was was trying to do some diplomacy with a uh, with a Philippine uh, diplomat, and he was making the moves on her. Okay, it was controversial because the Philippines was very upset that they, you know, that uh, that the fake TV show uh, used their country because that would never happen. But it does happen in real life. <laughs> Lisa, 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 I love you so much. <laughs> And then wouldn't you wouldn't you just assume because it's an evil genius like Muammar Gaddafi that he's just doing it to mess with your mind somehow to throw you off your game? It's not that is really fascinating. Okay, I can't wait to read that book. Okay, there, Liz. I, I want you read the book. Okay, that would be a good assignment for you. And then re- <laughs> sober re- and serious. So have fun okay. with that. High minded. Like, high minded. High minded. High minded. you're out. Okay, okay. That's- I'm going to watch TV. I'm sticking with TV. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to television. Okay. Okay, sisters, I have a very quiet uh, First Lady's uh, desk report for you. This week, I have no flames. My desk is not on, on fire. I am not going to be, you know, you know, making any uh, big judgments. But I'm just sort of quietly imploring all of us to leave the ladies alone okay i mean this was the this past week was the first big week for melania trump and there was a lot of talk veil no veil holding hands don't hold hands and i guess all i'm saying is let's just let it go okay because really no good can come from participating and criticizing a woman any woman, really, or spouse or partner that finds themselves in a role that they didn't want, didn't plan to plan for, and probably, you know, it's not certain that they want to continue doing it. So I just I just want to reiterate the 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 basic premise of the first lady's desk was to just leave the ladies alone. We have done this in a bipartisan way. And that means you, New York Times style editor Vanessa Friedman, who cannot bring it bring herself to write a single a single like even just neutral word about our first lady who just happens to be a former supermodel and in my humble opinion seems to wear clothes pretty well so but i just don't think that we're going to change the world or change anything by criticizing the first lady and that's the quiet report this morning from the first lady's desk (laughs) Well, I agree with the premise of that. The long, drawn-out conversation about clothes, that's a no-win for any, any woman. That, that's so uh, fine. <laughs> that's it. So okay. fine. I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. Like, that is not really a conversation worth having over and over and over again, po- pointing fingers. I agree with that. I agree okay. with that. Well, you know what? Here's some good news then. We aren't built to live in the moment, according to scientists. So if you're dwelling in the moment too much, go back to your very human nature. What we are good at as humans is what? Worrying and planning about the future. And that is what separates us from squirrels, really? her dogs. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's kind of incredible that scientists are now really honing in on areas of the brain that really plan and look at the future as being more dominant than the ones that say dwell on the past. All right. So think about that. That has pretty big implications in terms of people getting therapy or how you live your life. Like what really distinguishes us is that we can be in a situation and have a hopeful view of the future. We can see our way out of things. And that is what gives us the strength to go on day to day. So I think that's kind of cool. You know what? That makes total sense to me, Leanne, scientifically, because it's pretty clear that evolution would favor people who can guess what's about to happen. Right. Or right. <laughs> or right. Anticipating that tiger that is around the corner that's about to eat them. Right. You know, the people right. that or were a tornado is like coming yes. your way and that you yes. take shelter. Yes, that yes. would be. Yeah. Being being too in the moment does not really prepare you for the threats that, you know, and I'm talking like 100 million years ago, uh, the threats that would have existed out there. So. So I buy that, but I am spending a lot of time on my new mindfulness practice. So is that completely <laughs> unnecessary? Because no. you read the you read the other science that tells you that it actually does help your brain, it helps you live longer. All of those th- things are still true too, right? I, it doesn't address that in this article, Liz. So uh, as I'm someone who's not a behavioral. Uh, behavioral psychologist. So fine. I think you should do what you want to do, but just know that if you're not very good at it, it's not your yeah. fault. You know, right. that, that we have a, in the past, we have looked at this idea of like repetition, 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 this, you know, animal science kind of thing as like, oh, okay, this is why we do what we do. And that a lot of psychiatrists and analysts will look at your past traumas and to explain, you know, why you respond to something that way. And it's kind of, that's not a very hopeful look. At the, at humans, if you think about it, like we're just bound by these repetitious acts and, oh, something that happened to us a long time ago is going to determine our future. But now as they study the actual brain science, they see where the brain lights up when it's making decisions. They're surprised that actually prospection, P-R-O-spection, looking ahead, is guides our future behavior. So I think that's pretty exciting. So, okay. yeah. So worry away. Is that what you're saying, Leanne? Well, you know, I think women, I, well, okay, me, I think, you know, my husband, I'll say something about, oh boy, I hope we don't do X, Y, and Z. You know, oh, I hope, uh, for instance, we're planning a short trip to Olympia and, you know, what day do you want to leave? First of all, I would just like to plan a short trip to Olympia. It's, <laughs> it's 10 days in the future. That's prospect. It's not really that far in the future. It's just not tomorrow. So that doesn't seem to light the fire. But I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, we should plan Friday just in case there's any weird weather and we only have the one plane in and we want to season a play, my son. We want to see the Saturday night show. And then my husband puts that down to worrying. I'm like, it's not really worrying. It's just considering all the possibilities and rejiggering the plans based on looking what possibly may be in the future. And that is mm-hmm. exactly what this article said, that that yeah. is what our brains are good at, that we're constantly reimagining our status and then we can look ahead and plan for what may be coming based on us constantly reimagining our current status. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 Okay, I like it. 
So you're just repositioning worrying into sort of a sort of proactive anticipation designed <laughs> you know what, though, to, to result in the best outcome. I like yeah, it. Yes, but Liz, there's actual studies. Two recent studies happened where they they um, they studied 500 adults. And then I have a question at the end of this. What is the word pinged mean? But we'll we'll get to that. So <laughs> so and. Um, People in this study, they followed them for, uh, they had them ping something every time they, 500 times a day, they had to record their thoughts or something crazy like that, a huge amount of time. But they realized, scientists realized that when making plans, people reported a higher level of happiness and lower levels of stress than at other times because making plans turns a chaotic mess of concerns into an organized sequence. So even if you think something might go wrong, at least you are organizing the sequence so you can accommodate those those things that might go wrong. So that makes sense. Like that's pretty much worrying. Like you just want to, okay, just you like to know. It's yeah. just about, yeah. yeah. Or just know what might happen or plan for what might happen. And if something does go wrong, you're you're flexible about it. But that actually makes you happier. So it's not, I don't, I don't even like the word worry. I think that gets tossed around a lot. I always think mm-hmm. of it as planning, you know, cause my husband mm-hmm. will say, why do you worry so much? No, I'm just considering possibilities. That is different than right. worrying. That's different than worrying. That, so, is, that is totally the Edna Dolan gene though too. Yeah. You know, but that's, think, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. Who knew that our mother was, that's, on why, the- that's why she set the table like, uh, you know, in the morning uh, for dinner. <laughs> she did. Or, on Monday, or thing- on Monday for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the first thing she always did to set the table. Yeah. Because she could control it. No yeah. matter what forces were happening, the table would be The set. table was yeah. set. Dinner time was going to arrive no matter what. That much she knew for sure. <laughs> and okay. so, so, and also, Liz, here's something that may be, you know, applicable to you, not being able to quiet your mind. Uh, scientists also discovered that what happens when your mind wanders away uh, during a task is pretty simple. It's simulating future possibilities. So that's what yeah. you're doing when you can't focus. Yeah. You're not you're not scattering. You're simulating future possibilities. That's true. So. Yeah. I was I was at meditation class last night, but I was mainly thinking about all the different flight alternatives to get to the solar eclipse in Oregon in August. <laughs> See? Simulating future possibilities, Liz. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel and so much better. That's I feel better about uh, about my ruminating and worrying. Right, because you. you probably get accused by people who love you, Julie, of worrying. I, you yes. and I, you know, and yes. I just think that's a really negative term that gets thrown at women a lot when we're just planning. We're just simulating future possibilities. Okay, that's I'm all. Gonna say you know, that. it's interesting that you use the word ruminate, Julie, because that's what I always call it for myself. That uh-huh. I'm just a ruminator. I will play things over and over and over in, in my head, just like trying to game out the possibilities. So now I know what that is. That's all good and healthy. It's what distinguishes us from squirrels. Okay. Because squirrels, <laughs> they gather the nuts and you might think, well, that's kind of, but they just gather the nuts because they've been gathering nuts for a zillion years. They don't really know why they're gathering nuts. That's what scientists said in this article. They're not okay. really planning for a long, cold winter. It's just what squirrels do. They gather nuts. They would have nothing else to do if they didn't gather the nuts. <laughs> okay. They would okay. sit around all day. Okay. All right. well, and then can I just ask about the word pinged? What does that mean? Does that, is that, I, is Leanne, that just, just email or text? It is. 
It's just, it's anything. It's just meant to sound cooler than saying, I'll email you or I'll text you. It sounds stupider. I don't, I'm sorry. Like, is that contact? Especially because I'm like, what does that mean? Is that a function on my phone? It's a naval term from submarines, right? They would ping the the other vessel. I don't know. I mean, yes, that's true. It's sonar. It's sonar. But that like, I, so when people say that, can you ping me? I'm like, is that a thing I don't know how to do on my phone? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh. you should worry about that you should think about it <laughs> okay well here's another thing that separates us from squirrels i think maybe okay and that would be marriage and commitment uh and we talked about a couple of weeks ago we talked about open marriages and then as part of that we got a we got a nice email from vicki larson who is co-author of a book the new i do reshaping marriage for skeptics, realists, and rebels. Um, at, now, I, I want to disclose, I have not read the book, but that is not going to stop. <laughs> it stop. has never stopped you before. No, it has not stopped me before, Liz. It's just, as, but here's her premise or, uh, as part of the book that we have a very high divorce rate, 40% divorce rate, and closer to almost 50% for those that are ages 50 and older. Isn't that amazing? So that we we just maybe as a society are unable to make marriage last. And so she she uh, has a has a thesis that maybe what we need to look at for millennials is uh, temporary or renewable marriage contracts because long-term contracts are just not working out, okay? Because number one, we're living too long. Marriage, you know, when I guess when it was conceived, people didn't live into their 80s and 90s, okay? And I guess uh, she's assuming that we are all sick of each other by the time you yeah. get at a certain point. And that women were, were entered into marriage for financial security and protection. And now women don't need to need men for financial security or protection. Uh, uh, so she's thinking, you know, and we've seen this in the last maybe five to 10 years, what they refer to as beta marriages. These are marriages for millennials that they may be very short term in nature, maybe, you know, one to five years, uh, to just sort of try out the marriage, but it's not the real marriage. That's but wait, the, but those aren't, that's not a conscious decision on the part of someone to have a short marriage. They right. just, they're. They have, it but, just, you know, it just doesn't work out. It's like but, a starter marriage. It's a starter marriage, but you're entering, you're entering into these arrangements, maybe with different expectations. Like maybe it's going to work out. Maybe it's not. But she, what she's suggesting is that you take those kind of expectations of a temporary or a renewable marriage contract, you know, and make that more of a formal thing. So you, you know, instead of getting married forever, you're saying, okay, we're going to enter into a marriage union, but we're going to renew that marriage contract every year. Huh. Every or, year. Wow. That seems that's like a, a lot of pressure. A lot of work. That's worth some running for Congress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got to say, having come out of an industry where people had, uh, had contracts, you know, the, in the entertainment business, you know, often if you're an executive, you know, you get a three-year contract and, so the first two years, you kind of phone it in. And then in the third year, you work really hard because you want your contract to be renewed. So I'm trying to apply that to how it would work inside a marriage. I'm not so sure. But then 
as both of you know, marriage is not my area of expertise. So how long would you want your contract to be with, with your spouses? I don't to know. Make it, to make it useful. I, I, yeah, like I 25 mean, years, I would think. <laughs> and then right? You can, and then you, then you could renew. Because that seems, when I look at some of my friends that are divorced, that seems to be about it. Like the kids are out of the house. Now, hmm, they're taking a look to see, do I really want to okay. spend the next 25 years? The you third know. third of their life. Yeah, they're Tipper so Goring it. It's the Tipper Gore, you know, marriage contract where you go, ah, oh, yeah. not so much. I'd like to just stay home while you save the planet. I'm just going to stay here and take care of the grandkids, right? That's what, basically what she said. So I think 25 years because that's a, that's a commitment, but, you know, it's not a lifetime. But I don't years. think you would make it. I mean, I think her point is you might not. I don't know what her point is because, again, I didn't read the book. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> which is, well, we can, we mean, can put words in her mouth. Go right ahead. Okay. Okay. Which is, I don't think you'd make it to 25 years if you have a temporary or renewable marriage contract. Yeah. I, I, I mean, of course, I don't think this is going to work. I mean, why? I mean, or if you want to do that. Fine, but I do not register at Crate and Barrel. Right, all. I'm with and, you on you know, that. Do not, yeah. I, and do not ask me to come to your your, your contract signing. Okay, <laughs> don't make me buy an airline ticket or a dress or a new pair of shoes. Okay, I'm not I'm not doing that. So okay? you're not showing up unless it's forever. That's I, the, Liz, the Julie Dolan that, rule. Okay, it's not again, really a I'm wedding. not an ex, Liz. I am not an expert in marriage. Okay, and I'm not holding up my marriage as a model. I'm just saying I'm experienced in marriage. Okay, I have, yeah. I'll be married 39 years. Okay, and so I don't even think you get to stuff. You know, you don't even get to the marriage stuff until you've been in it for a couple of years. You know, until you, I mean, you really don't want to find out what love is all about until you have to until someone has to forgive you for something you've done, or you have to forgive your partner for something they've done, then you find out what love is really about. Or you don't really find out what acceptance is about until, you know, it just occurred to me this year that I care much more deeply about the garbage being taken out than my husband ever will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you, you're laughing, but that is really, that's the key. It's like, if you can accept that, if you don't like, if you don't like judge him or blame him or, you know, but if you just understand that basic thing, you know, it, it takes years to do that. So I don't that, think that only took 39 years, 39 years. I now realize that, that I just, this is something I no care. No matter about. how many times he told you in the 39 years, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. She's just simulating slip. future possibilities. That's yes. it. Yeah. Every so, time the garbage came up, just what would so it be I'm like if sure, he cared? Like, that's exactly. So I'm just not sure that if, if you, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a business partnership and that's fine. You can sign up for a business partnership, but I don't really think you get to, you know, a, a marriage until you've gone through some of those things. I don't know, Leanne, what, what, what you, I, I don't, then just don't get married, be together that's and don't right. get married. What? Like, I don't really understand that. Just fine. No one cares anymore. Just be together. No one cares. Right. No one, I mean, I mean I, the law cares. The tax system cares. You know, they, they care. The hospitals care. But, you know, most people don't care. Just be together. Just curtain gold it. And no one cares. That's, I mean, that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Why, why do like a temporary contract? There is no like social penalty to cohabitate with whomever you want. Right. You know, there isn't. Right. I, and. I mean, there, you know, there used to be, but there isn't now. Right. I mean, when, right. I mean, mom and dad would have killed us if we did that. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. true. 
<laughs> but they're so but they're gone. So people yep. should feel free now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were the only ones holding that that thing up for a while. <laughs> so, Very interesting. Okay. But, so I just I will I like to hear if people think this is a good idea, bad idea. You know, I continue to read, even though you know it both. I, I both love it and get completely annoyed by the style section of the New York Times, the vows area. You know, like this week, it was so cute. They had a story of uh, two fitness devotees. You know, they were running partners. They um, they had started running together, training together, and then they decided to get married and become life partners. And so they planned their wedding Um to get married during the Brooklyn half marathon uh, this past week, which, okay, not for me, but so, I mean, it sounded cute for them. You know, it does that sound cute. The, the groom wore a silk screen t-shirt tuxedo for, for running. Uh, and then the white, uh, the bride wore spandex pants because I think it was a little cold and a white top and they got married at mile six and good for them. Their parents also <laughs> jogged along which is quite a bit you know like they were going to miss the wedding if they didn't run until <laughs> the mile six and that uh the bride had uh, a, instead of a traditional bouquet she had a running a runner's baton with pink peonies on it kind of cute oh, wow and they had <laughs> custom running bibs that said bride and groom so I love this, okay? Love it because it's just nice on many levels. I mean, it's nice that their wedding and their commitment to each other was an expression of themselves. It was nice they figured out a way that, you know, friends and family could be involved and that, you know, it's nice now that you could do, you can do anything in order to get married. So, mm-hmm. so that. How do, you, how do you feel about re- them registering for gifts, Julie? Are you okay with them? <laughs> Yes, okay. yes, I'd be happy to get them some nice water bottles. I thought it would be a lovely gift for those two, right? Okay. His, and, his and hers water bottles. Yeah, okay. nice. Right. Okay, but in the same issue, on the, uh, just on the adjoining page, was a big article about questions to ask before getting divorced. Now, I don't think this is right. You know, this is supposed to be the vows section of uh, the New York Times. So it should be about, like, making keeping it together keeping it together let's not be this is such a downer to read about you know you know about getting divorced i mean the uh, the uh, the article was trying to make the point that oh well if maybe if you ask these questions before you get married then you won't get divorced no i think if you're asking these kind of questions about getting divorced uh, you know uh (laughs) then you're probably going to get divorced you're getting pretty cranky you're, you're She's this getting cranky, to, isn't she, Liz? She's getting cranky yeah, down there in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, what I in this these things? Okay? <laughs> give me a sample. Give me a sample question, Julie, because it seems like it's probably just the kinds of things you should ask yourself before you get married. Okay, but some are you people don't financially pop. prepared to get divorced? Okay. Oh, if that's the way you're thinking, if that's the what what is the what is that, that forward thinking that the squirrels aren't doing? Yeah. Leon, contemplating future future scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you're <laughs> thinking about like financially, how am I going to work this? You know, or if you're asking yourself, would you really be happier without your partner? You know, mm-hmm. going into the marriage doesn't seem well. like you're trying. <laughs> Hey, that's all you I'm should saying. just go blindly into the marriage right. and just assume it's don't all going to be fine married Liz I'm not I'm telling you, like, you don't have 
I didn't. I didn't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I understand what you're saying. But yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people sign prenups all the time. Yes. And the and that is sort of anticipating some future scenario that would mean that the the marriage did not survive. That seems like a responsible thing to do for some people. But you're saying no. It dooms the whole. (laughs) (laughs) She's saying she doesn't want to read about in the New York Times next to the cute little wedding announcement about the runners that got married at the half marathon, which frankly seems stupid to me. I thought that was stupid, but. Okay. That much I agree. Okay. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks ago, we did talk about open marriage. And then unbelievably last week, Julie, I was watching Say Yes to the Dress, which they really expanded for the 2017 season. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. Liz, I love it. Have you seen it, Liz? It takes place in Kleinfeld's yes. in New York. And yeah, you can't help but get sucked into the stories because they're compelling. And a lot of times and they I'll... always run it as marathons. Yes. So, you know, next thing you know, you're there all afternoon. Right. Or I just have it on while I'm cleaning the house or something and I dip in and I dip out. But last week, after we talked about open marriage, their new episode was about open marriage, Julie. It was a <laughs> oh, well. groom, a married couple coming in, and they were, quote, adding another bride to the family. So the current <sighs> wife was there uh-huh. with the woman. They kept saying marriage, wedding, but it is illegal to actually be married twice. So it was some sort of commitment. Oh, but she was getting a wedding dress for it. And uh-huh. the first wife had encouraged her husband to go out. She had some health issues that prevented her from having a full relationship with him. And he, she wanted him to be happy. And so he went out and immediately found another woman to sign up for this ridiculous scenario. And Julie, made, when we were talking about open marriage, you were like, who is signing up for this? I, I couldn't believe it, Julie. Someone signed okay. up for this. And I have to tell you. He was no George Clooney. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I was like, how is it possible that that guy has two wives? And I know great women that can't get a single date. I just didn't understand that. Like, is that how desperate women are that they're signing up for this crazy scenario? And But what I loved, Julie, was the reaction of the Kleinfeld saleswoman, who I love. She was like getting the lowdown on this. And she's like, um, excuse me a minute. And she went like running down the hall, you know, to the, like to Dorothy who sits in that office and never leaves. She's like, Oh my God, Dorothy, I just have to talk to someone about this. I can't handle what's happening out there. It was really funny. So anyway, now, yeah. did they both get dresses or just the no, one? Just, the new, it was the, just going to be the one. Cause the other one had already had her wedding. So it was nuts. It was a nutty thing, but see, I would not. She's not passing my crate and barrel test. No. I am not getting it. No, okay. Anything. So one of your rules is if your husband to be already has another wife, you're not getting them a gift. No, that's right. Okay, okay. All right. And on the flip side of that, a beautiful piece this week, ironically, not in the vow section of the New York Times, but in the op-ed section by Delia Efron, who we've had on the show. She's a writer. She wrote with her sister, Nora Efron, You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, amongst other things. She just wrote a beautiful novel two years ago, Syracuse, that I loved, probably one of my favorite novels in recent memory. She's a really wonderful writer. And she wrote... I think it just like almost a confessional piece in the New York Times that she lost her husband. 
She reconnected with a guy that her sister Nora had fixed her up with when she was 18 years old. 54 years later, they start emailing and dating just like the movies, you know, just like Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail. And when they finally meet, it's like love at second sight. 54 years later, they agree to get married. And then she finds out she has uh, she has cancer, just like her sister. Leukemia. Leukemia, just like her sister Nora did. And so then she goes through this whole thing with the leukemia. And it is just the most beautiful piece of writing. It's a tribute to love and deep friendships and sisterhood. Just that was a wonderful piece of writing. So cheers for that. that. Yeah, that was beautiful. And just that, you know, even the fact that she found herself falling in love again, just so surprised her. Yeah. And that was just very sweet. Yeah. And I love, I loved in typical Efron sister fashion. I love that when she went for her first chemo treatment, she got what she said was a really good blowout first. <laughs> like in the middle of this super kind of sad, serious article, she mentions her, her blowout. And I guess that's so. That's so Efron sisters. So uh, it was really. And just, it nice was so case. nice the connection with her sister that it was her sister who had introduced her to this guy, tried to fix her up with him, you know, so long ago, right. and you know the full circle of life. That was good. I liked it too. Okay, so love triumphs despite <laughs> attempts by some to sabotage. Is that our conclusion here today? We're just anticipating. Be in love or don't be in love, Liz. Just don't invite Julie. <laughs> That's not nice. I'm not judging. I'm really not judging. Okay. Okay. Moving on. It is, uh, you know, the very beginning of the summer season now. We just celebrated Memorial Day yesterday. So I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, laying on the floor, pretending to meditate, thinking about what my actual vacation plans are for, uh, for August. So there were several things I saw in the news over the last few days that made me think, this is why staying home is so darn appealing. Uh, number one, did you see chaos this weekend uh, at Heathrow and Gatwick airports in London when all the British Airways uh, computers went out? Did you see oh, that? I know. It was it was insane. And lots of times, you know, our three day weekends we're just America. It's not Memorial Day everywhere in the world, but you know, so our holidays are different. But they they also had a three day weekend. Uh, this weekend. So it's everyone just trying to go, trying to make the most of a holiday weekend. Uh, They get completely stranded at, um, uh, at the two big airports. And the CEO, this guy, what's his name? Cruz, something Cruz, Alex Cruz, the chief executive of British Airways. He apologized and promised that they would all reach their destinations by Monday. Well, okay, thanks for nothing, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Get, getting to where you want to go on Monday of a holiday weekend isn't exactly the goal. But then he said the power failure, this is like something that would happen at my house. The power failure was caused by a, quote, power surge. Are you kidding me? He doesn't have <laughs> surge protectors? He has no, I own like... 150 surge protectors, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's Cruz. true. You should box them up, Liz, and then <laughs> ship them to, to British And that it. is just to run Mudbath Productions, where we have nobody in the air, in a plane, at any time. And 
if you don't have those like strips in your offices at BA, do you, you need one giant trip to uh, Staples, uh, Alex Cruz, because that <laughs> should not be the reason nobody in the UK got to spend their holiday weekend uh, with where they were uh, intending to be. So, OK, that seems like an easy fix. Just just saying on that one. OK, next I saw this headline. Uh, this was in Fortune magazine that uh, women are worse than men at using their vacation time, which really surprised me because I assume everyone is like, you know, the three of us where we're just constantly trying to plan some kind of family outing, vacation, whatever. But this is a study of Americans. More than half of Americans, 54% of Americans, failed to take all of their allotted vacation days last year collectively sacrificing 662 million vacation days. Wow. And I know we've talked about this before. It just seems insane. But you want to know the number one reason why people don't do it? I thought yes. it was because I thought it was because they would get extra pay. You know, right. you're maybe getting... they would bank their vacation days yeah. towards pay or retirement. You could see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I remember doing that when I was like first working in New York when I was just right out of college. It would actually I would rather have the money. I didn't have the money to spend to go on vacation anyway. So give me the money for my vacation. But no, the number one thing is fear of returning to a mountain of work that there's just so much stuff coming at you all the time in the uh, digital workplace that uh, you just don't Mm -hmm. want it to build up while you're gone it's also why people are terrible at actually taking a vacation you know like if you just check in with the office every once in a while it won't be so bad when you go back but the thing that really surprised me is the thing about millennial women so millennials come on we thought uh, we thought you had the work-life balance thing all figured out, but it's striking the gender defi- the gender divide was even starker among millennials, with 51 percent of millennial men using all of their vacation time compared to 44 percent of their female counterparts. Hmm. Uh, and the person who did this study, it's called Project Time Off. Uh, sort of speculated that one factor could be millennial men's growing professional confidence and that women don't have the same level of confidence of being out of, you know, out of the office, not working, and that women are also less likely to vocalize needing a vacation. They feel like they need to apologize for taking time off. So. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They probably feel like they're going to go and a less qualified man's going to be sitting in their chair when they get back. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. That seems to happen. Or someone just younger and cuter in the the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, they don't want to leave their seat. Right. I don't know. Just like male or female, I just encourage you to take your vacation time, especially millennials. You know, we're here, we are experienced with the sort of the ups and downs, the ins and outs of the working world. You are really going to wish you took all of those vacation days in your 20s and 30s <laughs> when you find yourself in your 50s and 60s. You're going to say to yourself, what was I thinking, right? Yeah. Your work life is stretching out ahead of you forever. I would just like you to enjoy yourselves now. Your vacations are going to be, you know, even better. I like the, so I just wanted to say, come on, you can do it. Just vocalize your need to take a vacation and go take it. So there's that. Because by the way, here's my next story. 
uh, all of the hotels are being redesigned for you anyway. And uh, so this was another story in the uh, in the business section of the Times where we kept some of these things, Julie. That I was you- just thinking that the last hotel I was in, the shower stall was right next to the bed. I mean, it was like I was in, I was sleeping in the shower uh, when I went to this hotel. Is that what millennials want? I'm sorry, Liz, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, apparently, well, it could be related because they're finding that uh, because, as you have noted on Satellite Sisters before, Julie, like the younger you are, the more likely likely you are to spend time in the big social spaces in a hotel, right? Go the bar, restaurant, slash laptop plug-in area is where people hang out. An extroverted generation of people that always want to be with other people. It means they're removing a lot of furniture from the actual rooms, including desks. A lot of hotels have just taken out the desks. Uh, So that's an issue, including closets. There are many hotels now where they've removed the closets because they just take up too much room in favor of hanging racks, which I have to say that I think would be good because I have left so many clothes behind in so many hotel closets because I forgot because it never dawned on me that I would have hung them up in the first place. So I don't check before I leave. So if everything was just in an exposed rack, I would have saved a lot of clothing over the years. Um, but then the, okay, so there, oh, so then, the, so there's this hotel chain called Moxie, which is uh, one of the new brands from Marriott, where they describe the rooms as shaker style. And they're managing the spaces, making more out of the smaller spaces by hanging almost every piece of furniture on the wall, shaker style. Okay, so, and there happens to be a picture of this in today's New York Times, Tuesday, May 30th. There it is. They have a picture of the Marriott Moxie in Times Square. The, uh, but so instead of having like tables and chairs, which are only just going to get in your way in your room, it's all hanging on the wall. And if you want it, you can take it down. Uh, but, you know, it's totally up to you. Totally customizable. I, I'm just not sure how I feel about having to like, construct my room every time I walk into it you know I know for god's sake I mean that's like an Ikea every time you go to a hotel uh but I am a box a flat box (laughs) help yourself (laughs) I I guess I I like the decluttering aspect of the shaker style I don't like the having to you know hang up and take down all of my furniture when I want a table or a chair. But the one thing, this is related to Operation Sea Turtle, that I'm very happy about is that they're just taking the mini bars out of a million rooms now because they take up space and energy and they require a lot of labor to maintain. Thank you very much, hotel industry, because it also means that all of those Toblerone chocolate bars I've eaten over the years, which are in like every mini bar in the world, which I would never in a million years go out and buy a Toblerone chocolate bar when they're there in your mini bar in the middle of the night. I just find them irresistible. So so that's the good news. No mini bars. Uh, but the rest of it, it just means you're going to be, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, that's the hotel room I was in, it just had curtains. So it didn't really have a door to the bathroom. That's why 
like I was sleeping in the shower stall because you just drew a curtain between you and the shower. So I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, but take your vacations, go, go hang out in your hotel rooms with no furniture, whatever. Uh, I encourage that. Um, okay. Next up. Oh, just a quick operation sea turtle update. Um, it's a good news, bad news situation. The, the bad news is that, remember when I mentioned that three weeks ago I was in that teeny tiny hotel uh, room in New York and I managed to, because there was no desk, I was sitting on my bed and I reached for my laptop. I pulled my laptop over and I hit myself in the knee. <laughs> well, I can still barely walk. My, my right really? knee. Oh, laptop. Yes, laptop-induced injury, Julie. This is <laughs> this is what can happen. Liz, I'm just, sorry. Don't mean to laugh, have, but when you don't have a table, so that has really... not meant for the shaker lifestyle, Liz. Like four seasons, Liz. Yes, exactly. But I don't know. I was sort of ignoring it, ignoring it for the first week. And then I thought, I guess I better do something about this. So the second week there was some icing and some Advil. And I was really trying to, uh, you know, nurse back to health because it's cut into my 10,000 steps a day, which is the one thing I was consistently doing as part of Operation Sea Turtle was the 10,000 steps a day. Now I don't know if that's good or bad. So finally, finally on Friday, I went to a chiropractor to take a look at it. And they, um, so they gave me the like electronic stimulation and what else, what's the other thing they do there? The, uh, some other gizmo that they, oh, the lasers, <laughs> the lasers that they have, which has worked for me in the past. So I'm, uh, I would like to report that that did not work at all. So I spent the whole weekend with just more, I just laying on my living room couch, um, sort of binge watching master of none. So this is not a good, Oh, uh, Liz, I'm sorry for the setback. That's yeah, not good. It's a little bit of a setback. Uh, but I did manage this sort of relates to where you were before Leon. Uh, I did manage to get to the, uh, the meditation class in my neighborhood that I am really, really enjoying, but the funniest thing happened. So I'm just looking for the little, so you're there and you're kind of waiting outside before it starts. And there was a woman there. Oh, here it is. Uh, there was a woman there who was like passing out flyers to a thing that she was organizing there at the, uh, at the space. It'll be next weekend. And, uh, so here's what it is. I had never heard of this before and I do not mock because I just say, Hmm, cause you know, I love a good, you know, horoscope reading. I love a good tarot card reading. But this is how to raise your vibration through Akashic records. <laughs> so. What, what, I, I didn't understand any of those words, Liz. Can you me explain? neither, Julie. Me neither, Julie. But she, this, she's a certified Akashic records teacher. She will help the whole group access their Akashic records, which is, FYI, the connective tissue from soul to source. Okay, I still have no idea what that means. So she's, she's talking, she hands me the flyer. <laughs> but, if, but the result is a higher state of consciousness and awareness. So who's not for that, right? right. So I'm just shamed into taking her flyer just because you don't, why be rude? Right. Uh, you know, I'll just take the flyer and then I'll throw it away. And, uh, but then the guy next to me, she goes to hand him the flyer and he says this, which I think is genius. He says, 
I don't do paper. And she's like, what? He's like, I have a paperless life. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and I thought that is either true or the most genius response I've ever heard to someone trying to hand you a flyer that you do not want. And I can't decide which it would be. Uh, But either way, there's no way he's raising his vibrations. He just was not interested in raising his vibrations. So do you, can you imagine going through life with no paper? I mean, I know there are paperless offices, but no paper. I look at my desk right here. It's like, wow, that would, I can't believe it's real is what I'm saying. Well, I believe people are striving for it. Yeah. So I, I think it would be hard to have no paper, but I think it is a thing. I think people are striving for a paperless life. I guess, and I, I still find his comments rude. Can I just say, yeah. you know, <laughs> just paper or no paper? I mean, he could have been a little nicer to her. You know, well, here's what he did, just... Julie. He said I could take a picture of it with my phone. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I didn't hear that part. Okay. So he he was trying to at least, you know, he was understand. trying to blow her off, but in a yeah, whatever. Okay. Next up on Operation Sea Turtle. I was uh, watching Robin Wright on Colbert the other night. And, you know, Leon, she's the the Amazonian general in Wonder Woman, which you were talking to us yes, about last week. Yes, right? yes. So I don't know if you've seen any of the clips from Wonder Woman yet, but Robin Wright looks awesome. <laughs> she is, it is unbelievable how buff Robin Wright is in this movie. And she was talking about it with... Colbert, uh, she because she's 51 years old, which I did not realize. So uh, she said, as part, he said, how did you train for the movie? She said, well, we had to work out really hard every day. We had horseback riding, weightlifting, and martial arts every day. So you can see that would really be a work. And she said, I was definitely the oldest of all the women in the cast. So it's all these, you know, much younger women doing these giant workouts and I'm doing the best I can to keep up. But then she said the part that I was like, "Mm, okay, Robin, I could teach you a thing or two. And she said, and the hard part is that we had to eat two to 3000 calories a day. (laughs) That was hard. That was how hard could that be, Robin Wright? I know. <laughs> you just Come get on. yourself some of those Cuban sandwiches Liz was talking about. <laughs> one. Really? Just get one extra Cuban sandwich a day. She said, wow. she said, I just felt like I was constantly eating. Yes. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the rest of the world does, Robin. <laughs> that's what makes us Wonder Women. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly, Julie. So <laughs> then miraculously, what are the chances of this, except for the fact that I live in Santa Monica? I go into my, like, neighborhood gourmet deli, Marmalade. Both of your sisters have been there many times. Uh, I go in there yesterday, and who am I standing right next to but Robin Wright herself. Like, oh, oh, wow. In, in the flesh, Robin Wright. Mm-hmm. So I almost said, if you would like a coach about how to eat two <laughs> to 3,000 calories a day, Robin, I'm available to you because really it's not as hard as you think. But I just thought that would be, that might be a little bit too much. But I was, if you'd like a little bit of the behind the scenes at Satellite Sisters, uh, you know, I've often mentioned that I text uh, Leon and Sheila when I see a uh, a celebrity around town here. So I did text you guys when I saw her, right? Yes, got it. We got the text. Sheila wanted so, to know how she looked. 
you know, super so, so yesterday at 1214, I texted Leanne and Sheila. It just said, Robin Wright, Marmalade on Montana. <laughs> Sheila immediately responded. Haven't heard from her for days. Immediately yes. responded. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Good sighting. Super skinny. <laughs> and then she comes back. Then I said, yeah, super skinny. But here, I was happy to see. This must be part of her 2,000 calories. Uh, breaking news. She ordered extra salad dressing for her salad. So that's obviously how she's keeping the bulk on is a little <laughs> extra salad dressing. And Sheila responded, that's how they do it. And then, Leanne, you had a question. Yeah. Good hair. Like Good she, hair? Yeah. She has to which like I responded, yes, messy pony. <laughs> to which Sheila responded, wow, maybe she's visiting Reese in Brentwood. Yes. Anyway, that's it. That's <laughs> if you're wondering what we talk about when we're not on the show, that's pretty much the gist of it. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, Operation Sea Turtle, I guess the key to uh, eating 2,000, two to 3,000 calories a day. She said it was, you know, big meals and three smoothies. To me, that sounds like 5,000 calories a day, but, uh, but it's really the extra salad dressing. That's the one Robin Wright Operation Sea Turtle tip that, that I can pass along to you sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, Liz, there was a lot of Wonder Woman news this week, so that's funny. I mean, the movie's now, it's coming out on Friday. Remember we told you last week that I interviewed the producer for the cover of Pasadena Magazine and that panel, and we all have to go see it this weekend because we want to support the female director, Patty Jenkins, and uh, just the concept of a female superhero. And the reviews are just, I think the dam broke today. They, they lifted the... Um, what is the embargo? embargo? So they lifted the embargo. So the reviews are very, very positive. Um, but That's last, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Patty Jenkins. You know, she uh, directed Monster was her first film. And then she just had trouble like finding another movie because she's a woman. So good for her. And she said she based this on she loved Superman as a kid, the Chris Reeves version, and then Indiana Jones. So she wanted it to have that kind of same fun, sexy, funny feeling. And that's what the reviews are, basically, that she she created that. So that's great. Uh, So you can go get your tickets. You can order now, order ahead. But last week, a a movie theater in Austin announced an all-female showing of Wonder Woman. And, of course, it became hugely controversial with all the superhero fanboys. Like, oh, what is this discrimination? Boy, God, Wonder Woman. Which then, of course, women all across the Internet responded with some fantastic memes of, like, the all the men deciding the women's health care. Like, here, here you go. Here's an Hey, I wish men cared more about this than one single all-woman screening of Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I know. I know. That, I know. That was. It was good. It was the highest and best use of the internet. It was excellent. So that's good. Well, you know, one interesting thing that Robin Wright said when she was on Colbert, because he's like a superhero, super fan, and knows all of the mythology of all of the various uh, superheroes. And he said, it's so great that little girls will now have a female superhero to look up to. And Robin Wright said, and little boys, too. Yeah. There you (laughs) go. Which is a good answer, Robin. (laughs) Good answer, Robin. That's what all those extra calories are doing for you. The good comeback to Colbert. And then just a little bit more entertainment news. This made me very happy when this was announced today that Alanis Morissette's album, Jagged Little Pill, is going to be Mm -hmm. made into a musical. So that is 
fantastic oh. news. Right, right. Now, Julie, oh, you might have missed this jagged little pill as no, a No, 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 I'm, I'm not that far out of it. Okay, I, all right. I, yeah, you don't have to explain. <laughs> we thought maybe okay. you were abroad. Yeah, no, okay. seriously, I wasn't, yeah. I was living yeah. abroad. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I was out of the country, but yes. Yeah. But Yeah, so it came out in 1995, and, you know, for, for a lot of women who think they invented, like, women's empowerment, I think actually Alanis Morissette did in 1995. I love that album. <laughs> so it's going to be directed by Diane Paulus, who won a Tony for directing Pippin. And uh, the the book is going to be written by um, Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno oh. and Ricky and the Flash. So oh, yeah. it's kind of a good team. And, uh, and it's very exciting. So it debuts a year from now at the Cambridge Rep, I guess, is where they're developing it. Uh, so that is exciting to me because I love that album. That's good. And, uh, and I think, yeah, I, I love it. So all excited about that. All right. One other little personal entertainment note, the... You know, I do another show also called I Hate My Boss, and thanks everyone for listening and subscribing. Normally the show is, you know, my co-host Larry and I, we try to be serious sometimes and have fun sometimes, and some lighthearted commentary, and we kind of alternate on that. This week's episode, though, is um, there's no comedy in it. It's We decided to v- devote an entire episode to sexual harassment because it's just been so much in the news lately between everything at Fox News and at Uber and at Sterling Jeweler. It seems like whenever you turn around, there's another headline about a woman stepping forward and saying that she's not going to put up with this anymore. So this week's episode uh, is entirely about that. I would love it if you guys could listen, but I also want to thank many of you did write in uh, to tell us your stories to the I Hate My Boss show people, not to Satellite Sisters people. So I really appreciate the fact that you um, you put yourselves out there for that one. So so go check it out at I Hate My Boss. It's on Facebook and, you know, iTunes and every place Satellite Sisters is. So, um, okay, there you go. Sounds Anything good. else? I have my Anything big dance perform. I have my dance performance tonight. So after this, I just, I, you know, I have to wow. cool down and warm up. And- <laughs> okay, okay, Liam. Wow. So tonight okay. is both your dance performance and your friend's debut on America's Got Talent. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. So I'll be, I'll be dancing. We'll be watching, Liam, and then we'll rushing home. No, I. So yeah, you can watch for Conrad the Unicorn for sure, and then think of me, you know, performing the disco version of Car Wash. And we learned a new line dance last week, so uh, okay. that we're going to open with. There's no so. stopping you now. Just be sure to stretch, Liam, before the big number. In okay. the summer, we're excited. We're going to do a Broadway number to Chicago. Oh wow! Oh, okay, <laughs> jazz hands. Top hats. So take yeah. that, BB Newworth. Take it. Take it. <laughs> I'm coming for you, BB. I'm coming for you. <laughs> all right. Well, we are the Satellite Sisters. You can always find all of the info about all of our shows is at SatelliteSisters.com. We love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to our show and both rate and review us. That is really helpful for us in attracting new listeners and, by the way, new sponsors. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or at Sat Sisters, and you can like our Facebook page and join our Facebook group. So, all right, you guys. Well, have a good week. Thanks, you Liz. Too. I'm headed myself, headed back to for a little electro stimulation <laughs> stimulation on that knee. Let's see how that goes. Oh, Liz. <laughs> and then, Julie, you'll be here this weekend. I will. I've got a big trip to uh, California. I'm going to be visiting with both of you sisters. So, I'm coming. That will be very excited. Okay, we'll we can stake out Robin Wright at Marmalade if you have time to squeeze that in. <laughs>
<laughs> we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>